This is the Chris Dunn Health and Fitness Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to episode five of the Chris Dunn Health Fitness Podcast. Um, super excited today. Today we bring you an unbelievable guest, uh, Phil Learney. Phil is a leading expert in the world of health, fitness and nutrition and all things fat loss, muscle gain, and Phil is the man. Phil um, set up the Advanced Coaches Academy. Phil coaches coaches, <laughs> basically. Um, this is where coaches go to learn more, to get more credit for their trade. Um, it's where I went to become a nutritionist. Um, yeah, Phil, it's, he's unbelievable to have this guest on the show, and I'm very um, pleased that he agreed to to take the call. So um, we talk a lot of things today. Phil's story is really interesting, how he came about to set up the Advanced Coaches Academy. Um, his number one tips for fat loss um, and what we think of today's influencers on Instagram and other social media forms. But um, it's a really good chat we have. And if you listen to it, you definitely will get something out of it because there's definitely something there for everybody who's just after a bit of health, fitness and um, a little bit of more insight into into Phil Learney himself. So I hope you enjoy the episode. I know you will. And um, it was a real pleasure having Phil on. So here it is, Phil Learney. Let's see what happens. Yeah, so there we are, guys. I'd like to welcome a um, special guest today. It's, it's Mr. Phil Learney. Um, yeah, Phil, I'm, I'm, just before we start, Phil, I'd like to say how uh, happy I am that you actually come on the podcast. Um, <laughs> You're welcome, Chris. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, just for anyone, I'm sure a lot of people out there, especially in the fitness side of things and health, know who you are. Um, so even f- for anyone that doesn't, if you want to throw in a bit of your, your story, or a bit of your background, Phil, it would be really cool. Oh, hell, how do we shorten this? Uh <laughs> I've been in the industry over 20 years now. Uh, I've been a PT, fitness instructor, all the normal sort of stuff. Went through the normal channels that everybody did. I was pre, almost pre-internet era and certainly pre-social media. Uh, so so the, the the world was a lot different back then. It was, uh, you know, you worked in a gym and you, you, you tried to get busy within a gym environment and then uh, with the invention of everything else, it, it facilitated our industry to be able to scale and get bigger. So I started lecturing uh, and educating around about seven years ago now. Uh, did very well out of it. I was I was around at a time when no one else was really doing it. So it was it, you know you know it was a good time to be there. And then everything's expanded since, which is fantastic. We've got we've got some great educational offerings out there. And I developed the Advanced Coaching Academy, which yep. is a, a platform for coaches. Uh, level three and above we have some people on there that aren't coaches but uh, just for personal interest we run three courses we run a business course an applied nutrition course and a coaching course and uh, I moved all of my attention away uh, across to that and put my time full-time into that uh, and retired from personal training about two years ago so so yeah that's uh, the brief version I guess yeah yeah because yeah well as I'm well aware of your story as you know I'm a part of your ACA program um, so I regularly follow everything you say and do because uh, you're really a guy to be listened to. Um, with the ACA, like I, I'm sure you've heard it loads of time, but it's, it's 100% changed my life. Um, the whole program, just from everything from the nutrition side of thing to how to run a business. I mean, when I first started your your program, I was just in a little small room of a gym, and I've since really expanded into a proper huge commercial gym, and it's really all down to the ACA program, to be honest. That's brilliant. That's uh, you know that's 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 the kind of feedback I, you know, I'm I'm out there to sort of hear, and you know it's great to hear when we when we get people expanding their businesses in whatever uh, you know capacity. We had a I had a yeah. guy sending me videos all day yesterday of the the gym he's just opened, 
So, you know, it's it's great. I mean, we've had 19, I think 19 gyms in the last 12 months opened by members of the ACA, which is, you know, which is an incredible statistic. And, uh, and well, they're the ones I know about anyway. So it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's brilliant. I mean, the intent of it was to get out there and make coaches great and help them with their businesses. And it seems to be what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully over the next 12 months we'll do it even better we've got a lot going on at the moment and uh, a few changes going ahead and and all all positive really yeah, cool. did, you, did you ever envision it being as as successful and as big as it is i don't know i get asked that question a lot and it's it's yeah. it's really tricky to gauge because at the time i was still coaching i was still you know actively seeing clients and what have you so it wasn't you know there was always that safety net of of things there so you know, I, w- I was never one to to think, oh my god, this is going to get huge and and you know be across as many countries as it is now. I mean, we're we're in about forty plus countries now, and you know, it's a lot of the the content is you know focused very much towards the UK right now. And and what we've done is we've developed that. Uh, it's just the statistical things in there. You know, when we look at figures of obesity and things like this. So we're we're currently repurposing all the content for the US and the Australian market, particularly because they're the they're the big kind of coaching and training uh, hubs, really. And uh, and yeah, it's it, yeah, it's been amazing. It's it's been incredible, and obviously the feedback we get off of people is is incredible. And you know the the application of it to to watch people from afar and watch them work their way through it and move through it and uh, and improve their businesses is incredible. And, you know, that, that, that buzz I used to get out of clients doing well is now being replaced with with coaches really doing well. So, so yeah, it's it's brilliant. And, you know, I couldn't ask for any more. Excellent. Well, I think well, just from my point of view, I'm sure all the other coaches are the same. I think it's just the confidence that it gives you, um, when, you when you start learning and the fact that it's all, like, especially in nutrition, it's just all evidence-based. So, you know yourself, there's that much shit out there today um, at least you know when you're you're learning this program, you know you're actually, you know it's evidence based, it's science, it's but it's made simple so that you can understand. Yeah, I mean the the whole purpose behind it is is, is taking complex subjects and making it you know applicable. Uh, yes. You know, there's a, the, I remember doing you know I did a sports sport and exercise science degree and uh, a lot of the stuff just it didn't make sense to me because it had no application. Yeah. It was, you know, we were learning a lot of, uh, you know, statistical information and a lot of really heavy science. And and I was like, well, you know, what does this mean? What does it mean to, you know, my clients? What does it mean to the people I'm serving on a daily basis? And obviously at the time I was, you know, I wanted to be in the personal training fields. To start with, I wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach and focus on athletic performance. But, uh, you know, once I got into the industry and, and realized that there was a very small demand for that, yeah. I sort of tended to deal with more of the general populace and that's really been my the hub of my career for for the last you know at least 18 or 19 years and you know dealing with people who are, are overweight people who are owners of their own companies you know people people with real life scenarios you know what i mean yeah it ha- well, that's what it has to be brought into people's real life scenarios you know like you can give people the best, the best. program i suppose ever like uh, once it doesn't fit into their lifestyle it's never going to work i suppose and that's really what i, I can learn from the program also because I was one of these, I had this fitness group on Facebook and I was always trying to ram home, you know, the, the perfect diet, you know, if you, if you like, but um, it just doesn't work with people, um, you know, for their lifestyles, you know, they just couldn't stick yeah, to it. Yeah, well, you know, and, and, and it's that definition of the perfect diet, you, you know, much like anything in, in any field, I think, everybody's looking for a, a solution, a formula. Yeah. In which they can they can figure everything out from you know a, a, a almost rudimental kind of 
mathematical equation, which will say, right, you do this, the outcome is this. And, you know, when you're dealing with something as, as you know, unpredictable, I guess, as the human physiology and psychology of it, it's, you know, the outcome isn't guaranteed. And obviously we're, we're contending and dealing with people who, who have a huge amount of variables in their world. You know, when we're dealing with athletes, it's, it's a totally different ballpark because, you know, I'm dealing with a pro athlete. I'm controlling a hell of a lot of variables there. Yeah. You know, everything right down to, you know, we, you know, we'll be dictating how long they should be asleep for and, yeah. uh, you know, controlling the diet to a T and all of those things. And you're even trying to manage the stress outside of, uh, you know, outside of training. And, and you do have a, you know, a given amount of control over that. Whereas general, general populace, you know, I might get a client coming at 6am who's, you know, they've had a, an argument at work. They've had a, you know, the day before or the, they've been kept up because the kids, yeah. uh, you know, were up late or the baby couldn't sleep or whatever it might be. And they've got meetings all day, which means that their dietary choices are sort of hindered. You know, they're not comfortable with taking Tupperware into a, into a, yeah. and, it, and it's these assumptions that we have. So, so, you know, it's molding our, molding our coaching to match the needs of the client really is the, is the key to it all. Yeah. I remember when, before I started my fitness journey, I used to work just a normal job. I used to be in a van with lads and you'd take out Tupperware and you, you were crazy, you know, whereas what it was acceptable to eat the chipper every day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, um. So, like, I suppose just for the general public, as you were saying, like, it, it just comes into basically controlling of calories for them, really. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the platform. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, it it, it isn't, you know, it's as simple as that, but it also isn't. Yeah. You know, the platform to anything is if if we can't get someone to, if we can't get someone to adhere to a nominal amount of calories, you know, we're not then going to get them to, to adhere to a certain amount of macronutrients or to be prepping the food or to be doing all these different things, and it's. You know, it's uh, it's asking a lot, and it's kind of like this hierarchy of what's what's most important to somebody with respect to their goals. You know, it's a bit like it's a bit like work. You know, if you think about you know somebody going into an office job, what's the most important part of work is that you you probably turn up. You know, that's the that's the that's the the, the critical aspect of it. I mean, if you don't get in the car or get on the train and and go to work, you know that whole that whole thing fails. Then obviously, when you get to work, there's another series of things that you've got to do after that process all right down to those those kind of micro uh, aspects of things and a lot of the time when we look at nutrition or we look at coaching coaches are too busy looking at the micro elements the tiny little things that actually don't make that much difference and you know we're also doing the same thing when it comes to you know clients clients are wanting these micro things and thinking that you know if i start drinking a greens drink in the morning all of a sudden my life's going to change and you know, if I start doing, you know, taking a multivitamin, I'm going to start losing weight. And and these these percept- perceptions where people think that these tiny little things and yeah. a lot of the stuff we coach in the academy is all about the things that will make the significant difference. And, you know, for the vast majority of the population, you know, it, it does expand further than calories. But ultimately, we're, we're trying to regulate either what they're expending or what they're taking in or a combination of them both. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Um, because, yeah, like... You know, I'd be talking to clients here as well, and you'd try and explain to them, like, that calories do matter, like, no matter what maybe Joe Wicks might say. I know Joe was quoted a while back saying um, that they didn't matter. As long as you just eat healthy food, you'd lose weight. Um, so I think people are still very confused when it comes to healthy eating, calories, you know. And um, it, it's, that's- and that's that perception. You know, health, I would say health is, a, health is an abstract term. 
you know, it's, it's, you look at, you know, there's a few studies really, you know, there's studies done on sumo wrestlers. And when we look at obesity, unfortunately, obesity of being overweight, it's, it has so many negative implications, yes. you know, some of the statistics for, you know, I think it's uh, one in one in 11 uh, deaths have some kind of implication towards obesity or being overweight or excess fat. Uh, I've actually just put an infographic up about it today. Well, I've just got a quote uh, from you actually from um, because obesity on the rise. 1.9 billion adults are overweight yeah. since 20. Yeah, it's mad. You know, eight out of 10 males by 2020 are going to be, and seven out of 10 females will be classed as overweight or obese. And obviously, we've got the BMI, and yeah. you know, our industry will always go, oh, BMI is wrong. <laughs> but yeah, but for the vast majority of the population, it isn't wrong. Yes, you know, for, for, for people who are, are athletic and, and training and, and have a decent amounts of muscle mass, but take a look around. You know, you, go, you walk into any major shopping center and take a look around, and how many people are going to be outside of that category? Yes. And, and, be, and have an elevated BMI because of, excessive muscle tissue they're not you know so when we look at these statistics these statistics are fairly you know they're fairly bang on the money you know there isn't that many people who are out there training and in gyms and obviously when we look at it from our perspective as as coaches and people in the industry we look around and everybody's doing it yes because that's what we do we agglomerate our uh our you know the people that look at you know everybody on my social media is into fitness Guaranteed. Yeah, yeah. You know, pretty much, you know. So so when I look at my world from my viewpoint, it looks like everybody's into training. Yeah. But then then we'll go, you know, we'll we'll drive down to Blue Water, you know, one of the big shopping centers around here, and I'll walk around and I'm like, none of these people look like my demographic. Yes. Yeah. You know, and if they did, I'd probably be walking around and bumping into people who would recognize who I am. Yes, you know, multiples of times. And and that doesn't happen because it's a different demographic. So it's you know, when we look at these stats, these stats are they're grim. You know, so so when we look at health, we're we're talking about you know, and going back on the sumo wrestler thing is that you know there's a, that rare exception of what we call metabolic benign obesity, where somebody gains weight but doesn't get any of the metabolic complications like you know cholesterol, blood pressure, you know, uh, thyroid issues, blah blah blah. In the vast majority of cases, you know, we're talking ridiculous percentages here most people will have some kind of health problem that's brought about by being overweight. And again, it's was it 41 million children under the age of five, but it's, it's, it's all preventable, obviously, I'm sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so like it's crazy. Stats like 41 million children under the age of five are overweight. Um, and this is, this is this, you know, I, I, you know it's, a, it's a myriad of factors. Uh, you know, obesity is a is a massive, massive thing. People want to lay blame on the food industry. They want to lay blame on, you know, genetics. They want to lay blame on, and and ultimately, we we can bring it back to you know brass tax and go look. It is actually just people over consuming, but we've got to think about all the reasons why people over consume habits, behaviors, uh, what's accepted as a society, and there's this there's this notion now that you know obesity and people being overweight, it's it's this acceptance thing, and and people are like, look, you can't. Uh, and and again, going back to roots, you know, I was overweight when I was a kid. You know, I was overweight though, not out of choice. I didn't think, oh, I just want to eat food and get overweight because that's my choice. I didn't have a clue. I was just eating the food that was put on my plate. I was eating what was put in front of me. I was drinking what was put in front of me. You know, I grew up in a pub. So my idea of hydrating was going in with a glass and filling it up from the Coke dispenser. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. You know, and it you know it wasn't diet coke. I guarantee you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. Oh god. So, 
so it's you know it's it's a massive massive you know deal and this is this thing about getting people active getting people out there mm-hmm. and I, I take my hat off to anybody in this industry who's getting people active who's encouraging people to watch and be observant and and acknowledge the things they eat absolutely. you know because they're doing a good job yeah, absolutely they can there's not enough well i'm sure there's plenty around but then you get the the crap the nonsense that's all over social media and instagram and that of of you know the latest influencers that probably did a, a weekend course or, or wherever you know i'm sure you see them everywhere too and um, yeah, and again, that's a societal responsibility. That comes down to, you know, again, what I was talking about before is that we could blame obesity on our parents yes, very easily. And we, we could blame their obesity on their parents before them. And, you know, you could you could keep going and, and lay blame on somebody somewhere in that chain. But at the end of the day, what, what this comes down to, it comes down to education. And, yeah, we do have influence. We have people out there who, who are granted authority yep. in a field that they know nothing about. Yep. Because, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you've got a voice. And, and you see this with celebrities, you know, celebrities piping up about political issues yeah. who, who have no, yeah. they have no inclination about politics and they don't understand it. And, you know, I, don't, I know nothing about politics. Yeah. You know, I know what I need to know, you know, as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, and that's it. But would I ever comment on it given the, if I was granted authority and, you know, I had a 2 million followers on social media and, and all of a sudden there becomes that inherent responsibility. Yeah that you have over what you preach and what you tell people and what you put out there. And that's something that, you know, people do take advantage of. And, you know, you get granted that authority from, it's like people who lose weight, right? And, you know, I'm sure some of your listeners will be out there who, who, you know, they've lost weight. And what happens is all your friends and all the people around you start asking you, how do I do that? And what they forget is that, there's a coach involved. There's been somebody who's advised that person. So what happens is it ends up this cascade of, you know, the information becomes second, third, fourth hand until eventually it just gets skewed because, you know, you've got a client who you've dropped the carbs with your client mm-hmm. at some point in there. In the, and there was purpose behind it and there was rationale behind it and there was reasons behind it. And in many, many respects, dropping carbs, the only purpose behind it for many people is actually just a reduction in calories. It's a real easy way of reducing someone's calories. Because the average Westerner, you know, 70% of the diet come from carbs. So they then take that out of context and start telling all their friends that, you know, I'm on a low-carb diet. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And the context gets removed. So now all of a sudden, everybody's out there shouting about, you know, and they've told five of their friends. So five of the friends are telling five of their friends. Now all of a sudden, 25 people <laughs> think that a low-carb diet but, is the reason they've lost weight. But then you'll see that they, they, they do drop the carbs for it. They lose weight. And all of a sudden, it's hard. It was the carbs. I can't, I can't tolerate carbs. It was those that were making me fat. When it was just removing something that had calories from the diet. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's, you look at all the things that people remove from the diet. Chocolate. You know, an average Westerner consumes too many calories in chocolate on a weekly basis. You remove bread, same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you remove alcohol. Alcohol is always a big one. People are like, yeah, I've just cut out alcohol and I've lost like half a stone. I'm like, yeah, because yeah, you, you were consuming too many calories yeah. before. But, um, it's amazing, especially with alcohol as well. Like people don't really, um, they don't, I don't think they can't, not that you have to be counting calories, but they don't really think of it in their diet. You know, they might be eating well all week, they could be putting on weight, but they might consume 10 points of a Saturday night and they don't really. You know, they're not really counting that. But, but, but you, what you've got to remember there is that that's social and, and people want yeah. that. You know, I want clients who want to drink every weekend. And I'm like, okay. But you've got to understand that a lot of your, your calories are coming from liquids and the goal that we have for you is to reduce calories. So, you know, it's your choice, but 
ultimately that makes your diet throughout the week a lot more restrictive and makes it a bit more of a challenge for us. And that's cool. We can work with that. We can work with that. It's not the most healthful source of calories on the planet, but if that is part of your lifestyle and that's part of your 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 you know your your life as it stands right now, and you take a great deal of enjoyment out of it, okay, we'll work with that. Right. You know, rather than imposing this thing where I'm like, look, you shouldn't be drinking if weight loss is your goal. I'm like, no, you yeah. shouldn't. But ultimately, people are looking at something that they're going to do long term. And if I've got someone long term, long term, the majority of people out there. If they don't drink, they don't drink, you know. But the majority of people out there will consume alcohol. And if they do, I've got to try and integrate that somewhere into their ongoing lifestyle. Yeah. Somewhere. Mate, I would you know, don't get me wrong, I could I could get rid of I could alongside them, I could get them to concur and, and decide that they're not gonna drink for the next six weeks. That's great. But they've got to make that call themselves. That's not me imposing yeah. on them. But mate, I would have been one of those coaches, I suppose, before I started the ACA that like you said, oh no, I would have been, no, you have to stop the alcohol and this, that, or the other, you know. But when I when I started the ACA program and, and I was going through the, the modules and realized that you have to, everyone's obviously different individual and they've got these lifestyles. So for success for them, you've got to work within their lifestyle. You know, you can't change everything on them because they're just going to retaliate, I suppose. Yeah. And it, it also, it doesn't, it doesn't become, remember, adherence is our key. You know, with anything, adherence and compliance, you know, if somebody doesn't follow anything, you could write them the best program in the world. If they don't follow, it doesn't do anything, right. you know. So so it's that same thing is that you've got to kind of coordinate with what that person wants. And right now, they want to drink alcohol. You give them six months and they've lost you, They've lost three stone, my, all of a sudden their perspective on things changes. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden they're thinking, well, really, you know, what are the reasons I drink? They're looking at that. They're begging that question. And in the back of their mind, they're kind of going, well, do I need to drink is it something that – so by default, what happens is their their alcohol intake just goes down because instead of choosing to go out three nights a week, they decide to go out two until eventually they decide to go out one. And now, you know, on a Friday night, instead of going out, what they do is they go to a fitness class yeah. because now that is more of a priority to them. Cool. Well, it's just going to change slightly. It's going to stay in the fitness thing. But just in terms of training, I always get this um, – Chris, what's the best? What's the best exercises, or what's the best form of exercising to lose weight? But my answer would be to them: whatever you really enjoy is the one I'd sort of keep going because it's the one you're going to stick to. And um, so, your thoughts, I suppose, there. Uh, again, yeah, again, it's the same thing. It's it's enjoyment, you know. Uh, you, you've just got to, you know, you've got to have something that you're going to do. You know, it's a bit like being at school. You know, if if somebody said to me that that you know, the type of exercise you've got to do is is cross-country, right? You know, I don't know whether you did cross-country or skill, but cross-country was horrendous. It was always done in the winter months. It was freezing cold, pouring down with rain. I didn't enjoy it because I, I was big and overweight and always came last. Uh, but but ultimately, if somebody had said to me, you know, uh, you need to burn X amount of calories per week and the way you're going to do it is cross-country, I'd, have, I'd, have, I'd be the size of a house now. Yeah. But... Instead, I had options because I was at school. So, you know, I, I played rugby. I, I loved rugby, really enjoyed rugby. It was hard work, you know, which any type of exercise is. But I didn't, I never looked at rugby as something that was, oh yeah. my God, this is such a challenge that I don't want to do this. I'm forcing myself to do it. And you've got to remember that that same feeling people get when they're going to the gym is that they're, they're, they're going to the gym and they're going, you know, oh my God, I don't yeah. want to be here. And part of our job is to go either, you know, facilitate the enjoyment of it in some respects, which some people will just never grow to enjoy it, but also giving them options because, you know, for, for one person who, 
you know, does some calisthenics at home and, and, you know, goes for a jog a couple of times a week. Is that going to get them the end goal that they want? Quite possibly it is. If we can get the diet nailed, you know, whereas the other person wants to build huge amounts of muscle tissue now without stepping foot in the weight room, that's going to be tricky. So, so by default, they've kind of got to end up enjoying it because if they don't, they're probably not going yeah, to do it. That's the point I was trying to make. Like I, as I said, I have my own gym here. Now, obviously, it's good for my business if people are coming in using the gym. But if I've got someone staying back after, like one of the ladies from the class or whatever it is, and says, look, I really don't enjoy this. Now, I've got other mates that do running camps and stuff. So I, I'd send them off to them, if you know, because say, see, do you like that instead? Because if you don't like it here in the gym, you're not going to stick it. You're going to stay the same as you are and then you're going to keep being miserable, I suppose. So. And and this is this thing where, you know, you look from an outsider's perspective and, and it comes down to each their own kind yeah. of scenario where I look at someone doing a sport that I don't do and I, you know, had a little inkling into before. I'm like, oh my God, I don't understand how someone can enjoy that. You know, I have a really short, really short attention span with respect to, you know, I have to keep active with something. So, you know, I used to play quite a bit of golf yeah. and I just yeah. never got into it because it was just boring yeah. for me. And, you know, my front nine would always be great, but my back nine were always terrible because I was bored by then. <laughs> my whole age. So for me, it was something that, that it just became a chore. After that front nine, it became a chore. And I just didn't enjoy it. And if genuinely I looked at it from an outsider's perspective, it was like, I just didn't enjoy it. So I stopped it. It is like everybody's different. So we do jujitsu here in the gym as well. And I regularly jump in and people will be looking in. And when you come out to like, people will be, I don't know how you can do that. I hate that. I don't know how to do that. But again, it just comes down to what you like doing. Yeah, and and this is you know one of the reasons that and, and I always remember when I you know when I was coaching, there'd be you know I was I was a competitive yes. powerlifter, and what I would do is that I'd I'd actually I would never train as a powerlifter in the gym I, I worked me, in yeah. because I knew that the vast majority of people who were prospective yeah. clients or people that wanted oh. to work with me would look at what I'm doing and assume straight away they're going yes, to do the same. And then she'd be making all these scary grunting noises and they'd be just going, Yeah, and they'd be like, I don't yeah. want to do that. So I'm going to go train with somebody who's doing something that yeah. I fancy it's doing. It's true because I'm you know, training yeah. in the afternoon in the gym when it's really quiet because and, and the clients will go, I never see you training. Why don't you jump into the class with us and stuff? But no, I just I like doing my own thing in the corner and uh, making all the noise I can on my own. Well, totally, totally. But again, it's that thing of, you know, what happens if you start turning up to one of the classes? All of a sudden, people start following. People start following and going, you know, you know, Chris goes to these classes and Chris is in great shape, so therefore, I'm going to go to these classes because that's obviously part of the sure, process. Gonna, you know, ninety percent of the women that come to my class are going to listen to this now and they're going to go, "No, that Phil guy told you you have to take part in more classes with us because oh, like, jump into the." <laughs> no, but it is. But it is. It's you know, and, and you know, there's times where you know I used to teach spin classes yeah, back yeah, in we- the day. Uh, you know, I used to teach spin classes. I used to teach body combat. I used to, you know, I had a, I had a fitness certification in <laughs> yoga. Uh, you know, I'm qualified in Pilates, which, you know, not many people know. And it's, and these are all things I used to teach and I used to do. But it's, you know, and, but do I do them now? No, I don't. Because, you know, I don't enjoy yeah. them as much. Whereas there's odd times where, you know, I might jump into a spin class and go, I really enjoy that. But it's not the sort of thing I want to be spending my time. Because now, you know, as a grown up and with other responsibilities, I'm very wary as to my time. You know, whereas back in the day, hell, I used to do every kind of sport, every kind of activity going. And I'd be doing, you know, I remember at one point I was doing rugby probably twice a week. I was doing, you know, I was doing uh, fitness clubs at, at 
at school. I was doing, you know, circuits classes mm-hmm. and things like this. And I was doing, going to the gym on my own. I was doing, uh, you know, any activity I could. I was doing karate at the Let's time see, and all these well, different things. I see you doing a Sorry? bit of Brazilian jiu-jitsu at one stage as well. Yeah, what no, I'm that? doing that now. I mean, that's, that again, that is that is something I would do on a daily sure. basis if I had the time to spread that out. You know, I'd do that every day without a shadow of a doubt. I, I love it. I love it. But for me, it's, you know, uh, the closest club to me, we've got one club really close, which is, you know, for yeah. me is great because time for me is is a factor. You know, I was at a club last uh, last Thursday. It was actually at, uh, at, at yes. Gracie's. Uh, down in yeah. down in the city and that was you know for me it's a two-hour yes, round journey and and i can't do that every week i just can't and you know as much as i loved it and much as i'd love to be there but that means that i'm i'm missing the kids going to bed i'm you know i'm leaving at, at rush hour which means i'm stuck in horrendous uh traffic and and everything like this and and i might no you know, I enjoy it, but I don't enjoy it that much. So, yeah. Yeah, and no, I suppose when I was in, I'm still doing it here. We haven't gym, but I put pressure on myself too, dude, if you know what I mean. Um, and again, it, it, these problems yeah. come up where you're later home and, you know, you're trying to squeeze everything in and I'm really, I'm really wrecked and I'm not getting home at 10 o'clock at night after a full day in the gym. And so, uh, yeah, it's something I'm probably going to have to take a look at myself and try and give myself a better schedule. I think we're getting married now in two weeks, so it's pretty hectic. And I think after that, I'm going to have to try and, yeah. Oh, amazing yeah, so brilliant that's oh, cool and tell you what it's, it's been brilliant having you on mate I know you're really busy so I won't keep you forever but uh, just for the listeners I've seen one of your videos recently and it was like 10 quick points on why you're not losing fat or how to lose fat so do you want to throw in a few just really quick ones 10 points you had a little video on I think it was 10 reasons you're not losing fat or you're not losing weight it was like a video I had on <laughs> it was real funny though uh Right, let's 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 reestablish some things. Then let me give you so right uh, consistency. That's probably one of the major ones. Consistency of of activity, i.e., you're you know you're hitting the gym for a couple of times in one week and then not the other. Uh, consistency with your diet. Again, one of the one of the things that I used to do with clients is you know when they first started with me, I used to get their diet and I used to allow them to to you know they give me the diet log. I'd give it straight back to them and say repeat that. Because what they did, they they chose the foods, they chose the times they're going to eat. They know that chances are they've probably missed out a few things. So I'm asking them to repeat the exact same thing that they did. You know, so consistency. We've got to have consistency. And, and especially as a coach, if I haven't got consistency coming from someone, it just doesn't, you know, it's not going to work. You know, because, because I've got no control, which means the variables, things like the activity and things that I'm trying to control just don't work. You know, what they're doing is they're contracting their intake. So it's a bit like when people start going to the gym. What they do is they they uh, rationalize consuming more food. So they go to the gym for six yeah. months and get no progress because what they've done is they've rationalized now eating certain high-caloric foods. So they'll be like, right, you know, I've earned that or, you know, I, I deserve that because I've been to the yeah. gym or whatever it might be. Sorry to interrupt you there. I get a lot of that with people that come off, say, marathon training or something. They've, they've put on loads of weight. Because they're doing the running training and they presumably can eat a ton now because they're, they're doing this running, but they're getting heavier. And we see that quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it, again, it's that compensation, right? You know, I've started running, so therefore I'm <laughs> yeah. going to eat that cake. Whereas before, they, they, they weren't running, so they didn't <laughs> eat the cake. 
you know, so so you've got to you've got to have a control. I mean, it's like any scientific experiment; you've got to have a control. You've got to have a variable. And unfortunately, in some cases, you know, what happens is is that you know people just don't they don't regulate these things properly. So it just ends yeah, up a definitely. bit of a. That's mess. the big thing I see is that consistency and um, just want the one for a quick fix. You know, like and to take people would buy anything. If someone ever invents one pill that's going to make them the way they want to be, they're going to be. You know, people just to take anything if if they just thought it'd make them skinny or make them whatever shape they want. So, when in hindsight, it's just a bit of consistency with your training and your diet is really the way to go. But that's that thing, isn't it? It's just the, you know, it's just that thing where people expect that there's going to be a, a simple way out. People mm-hmm. like things to be easy. So again, going back on what we were talking about before, is that part of the process that we have as coaches is to try and make things easy. Try and make things as easy and as familiar as possible. You know, so it's, you know, all of those things. Yeah, that's it. That's great advice. And I hope to take it because, you know, you'll be trying to tell people um, that there is, as you said, there is no quick fix to it. But um, as, as coaches, we try and, as you said, make it easy. But um, we know it's not easy, but try and not as hard for them, you know, I suppose is what I'm trying to say. But um, yeah, look, I feel I really enjoyed uh, you taking the call and it's been real insightful stuff from you. Um, yeah. You're very welcome. No worries, Thank you for having me on. A million. And uh, that was Phil Leone, everyone. See you, mate. Thank you.